Hi there, and great to have you along with me, Cleon and Ian Lone, for another podcast edition of the RT Radio 1 Spoken Stories Independence New Fiction Collection. Spoken Stories Independence invited writers to come up with a story from a consideration of independence and what it might conjure up for them, where it might take them, today, a hundred years after Ireland's War of Independence. The series is a creative contribution to Ireland's decade of centenaries. Shortly we'll hear an authentic conversation by Yang Go, but first let's hear a couple of words about the thinking for the author behind her story. A curious dual aspect of living in a foreign country as a new immigrant is that your individualism which connects with your personal history diminishes while you are forced to represent an often false and superficial stereotype of your native culture. The two girls in my story are trying to declare their independence from such stereotypes. On the other hand, they're entangled with their personal histories, the shadows from their past that are cast over their new lives in Ireland. There you heard Yang Gu, author of An Authentic Conversation. The story is now read by Ashley Xue. Shortly after moving to Dublin, I set out on the mission to have an authentic conversation with someone. And this someone, according to our teacher, Ashleen at Ace English Language Learning, could not be just anyone. It had to be a stranger, preferably good-natured and unsuspicious, and a native speaker. The Spanish guy raised his hand. My flatmate from Singapore, can I talk to her? Ashleen smiled. I'm going to put you into pairs, she said. This way, when you engage with a stranger, one of you can talk and the other observe. And the next time, you switch. On Monday, I would like each of you to give me a 10-minute presentation on who your partner talked to and what their conversations were like. Do not cheat, she twirled her pen like a wand. I know a fake conversation when I hear one. She took out the roster and began to pair us up. Jose and Elsa, Judith and Wojtek, Isu and Xiaopeng. With some enjoyment, I watched as Ashling grappled with our names before she returned to being her impeccable self. Then, as if detecting my thoughts, she shot me a warning look. Brushing her pen across the page, she searched for the next match. You two should be a perfect pair, Nan and Akmaro, she announced. Akmaro and I were the only Asian girls in the class. I had rather mixed feelings about her while it was clear she simply didn't like me. When the class finished, the two of us walked to a nearby spa to discuss our plan. Akmaro ordered a skinny latte and a quiche. I bought a banana. Then we sat down beside the window. Akmaro had not said a word the whole way there. With a deadpan expression, she laid out her food on the table. 
First, I want to apologize for the last time," I said. She looked at me, frowning. Then she tore a satchel of sweet and low and poured the powder into her coffee before beginning to talk. Do you mean the time you asked me if I was Chinese, or the time you called me Kamora? She spoke English slowly. Her accent reminded me of the villains in spy movies. Both, both times, and I'm really sorry, Akmaro. I said, articulating her name with caution. She narrowed her eyes. As if weighing up a proposal. Actually, I wouldn't mind being called Camara. It's a nice name, she said. But I really hate when people ask me if I'm from China. Do they understand there are other countries in Asia? Um, I held my banana. They do. I mean, I do. Well then, you are forgiven. She said, sending a fork of quiche into her mouth. I was uncertain if she was being sarcastic, but decided to take it literally and peeled my banana. We ate and discussed Ashlyn's assignment. I said I'd love to practice my oral English with native speakers, but sometimes I find them difficult to understand. And the more I worried about not getting what they were saying, the more likely it would happen. Akmaro said she had similar issues, even back in Kyrgyzstan. She would always be struck, in the middle of a conversation, by the unattainability of real human communication. She wondered whether being gay had set her up to be a hopeless skeptic. I swallowed the mushed banana. I've never been in a relationship. I wouldn't mind dating an Irish girl, Akmaro said, skimming around the shop. Some of them are very pretty. Next to us, a middle-aged woman shifted in her chair. She had a pair of enormous eyes, which gave her a look of innate surprise. She bit into her sandwich. Let's focus on the assignment," I said. Akmaro agreed. It seemed to her that the biggest challenge to having a good conversation with a native speaker was to avoid exchanges fixated on cultural stereotypes. Noticing I was lost, she asked, "Among all my encounters here, what the most common topic had been?" I thought about it. China, exactly. She clapped and glanced at the woman next to us, who was now rustling the sandwich package. In this case, Akmaro carried on saying, "In order to talk about the real stuff, we had to find a way to stop being exotic objects." I couldn't help but visualize pineapples. Totally, I said. Akmaro shot me a smile. Any ideas on places for finding good native speakers? Someone who is open-minded, free-spirited, maybe even a little bit anti-establishment? I furrowed up my banana skin.
processing her question. Then I remembered the flyer I had used as the placemat for my noodles this morning. The flea market. A friend mentioned there's a big one on Sunday. I said, hoping the paper hadn't become completely sodden by the oyster sauce. Akmaro was late for the market. While I was waiting for her on the street, two separate elderly women came up to me, wondering if I was lost. One of them told me about her trip to Beijing some years ago. In a muddle of syllables, I managed to catch, the donkey, lake, and roasting. I smiled and nodded. When I saw a small East Asian woman coming our way in a white T-shirt with what seemed to be a large dildo printed on it, I gasped, which startled the old woman in front of me. She mumbled something about love. Sorry, my friend's here. I dashed towards Akmaro. She waved at me, smiling proudly while thrusting out her chest. On which stretched, indisputably, a dramatic pink dildo with bulging purple veins. Here's one for you," she said, pulling out another T-shirt from her handbag and spreading it in front of me like a flag. I was not surprised to see that this one showed a naked female torso. My housemate bought these for a hen party," Akmaro said. "You want me to put it on?" I glared at the aggressive-looking bosom. Although I had asked the question, I was fairly certain that there was no chance I would wear the breasts. But Akmaro said she had thought about it long and hard, and the only way to outdo our foreignness was to present something louder than our ethnicities. I told her that even though I agreed with her in spirit. This T-shirt was too absurd, impertinent. I emphasized. After all, we were new to this country, and I didn't want to get into trouble. Stop being so Chinese, Akmara wailed, gripping my arm. Plus, think about it. Would you like to be friends with someone who'd be interested in a stranger wearing an erotic T-shirt? Or someone who inquires about your opinions on the Chinese economy. Her hand was surprisingly cold and soft, like a baby bird, popping out from a nest. We walked through a cramped laneway into a large courtyard where rows of tents stood in a riot of colors. Bulky old suitcases were piled beside the entrance, leaning against a thick wooden headboard and torn armchairs. Hordes of people circulated in jeans, cropped jumpers, and biker boots. Music whipped through the air. This looks fun, Akmaro said, tugging me to the first stall. While she checked out a ceramic egg cup, I adjusted my body in the stranger's T-shirt, crossing and uncrossing my arms. Around us, in pairs or groups, 
people chatted with one another. Some held cups of coffee, some gesticulated while laughing, nodding. Their mouths moved rapidly, their faces in hypnotic joy. I wondered what it felt like to be part of these conversations, an actor on the stage, rather than a distant spectator. My eyes met with those of a couple of women, who were whispering behind a jewelry store. Before I could configure an earnest smile, their eyes fluttered, and shied away. Tell me, nun, what's your topic today? Akamaro asked, as she tossed down a red hat before moving on. The stall owner scowled at us. I crossed my arms, smiling at him apologetically. My topic, the thing you talk about, your thing, she said, browsing along the stalls. Have you prepared anything? Is that what we are supposed to do? She said it was not part of the assignment, but back home, her father used to take her to dinner parties with foreign guests. And he always asked her to decide, beforehand, if she wanted to talk about ponies or kitties. What does that mean? It's a slightly idiotic but efficient method, Akamaro said, picking up a small succulent in a plastic pot and smiling at it. If I talked about horses, the guests tended to think I was an adventurous girl. If I went with cats, I was sweet and kind. Very simple. Your topic determines your image, and a strong and clear image vitalizes the conversation. But I thought we were here to have authentic conversations, and that's why we are wearing these T-shirts. Right, she clapped. This T-shirt could be your topic. What? No, I don't want to talk about these. I glanced at my chest. Now the printed breasts looked like two badly fried eggs. She laughed, and we arrived at a second-hand record store. A young man wearing a bandana stood behind it. Are you guys going to or coming back from a hen party? He asked. Akmara winked at me. We're hoping to be invited to one. My friend here can tell you more details. We had made no arrangement about who was going to talk first, and now it was too late to call a formal discussion. Yes, I'd like to go to a hen party. I said like a parrot. Why? The guy laughed. I tried my best to maintain a placid expression. While my brain burned, searching for an answer, I've never had any girlfriends, and I suppose I do wonder what it feels like to have good girlfriends and to go to a party with them. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that," he said. "How come? Um, it's probably because I'm fat. <laughs> I was even fatter when I was a teenager. As soon as the words escaped me. I was petrified. 
I could not believe I had just told to a stranger something I'd never expressed before. A blistering liberation shot through my body. Both the guy and Akmaro looked at me. Before either of them said anything, a voice called, "Excuse me, ladies." It was a man of medium stature who claimed to be the manager of the market. He said, with a rueful smile, that he had received some complaints about an incident of public indecency, and he would appreciate it if we could change our clothes before we did any more shopping. Say it again," Akmaro asked, raising her chest. The manager smiled patiently. Everybody is free to wear whatever clothes they like," he said. "And I personally have no issue at all with your choice of outfit, Miss. But understand, this is a public space, and some members of our community have reported you." To our office, saying they were extremely disturbed by the obscene image on your T-shirt. Therefore, I'm wondering if you could respect their feelings and change into something else. Yes, totally. I jumped in before Akmaro reacted. We are really sorry. We didn't mean to cause any trouble. We'll change now. He looked at me as if just noticing my existence. Oh no," he said. "Miss, you are fine. Just your friend." He pointed at Akmaro, who flashed out her middle finger like a sword. "What's causing us the problem is the thing on her T-shirt." Akmaro rushed ahead of me until she came to the red light at a wide intersection. Yellow buses streamed past like pikes in the bright sunlight. A giant cathedral stood across the road. Why did you say sorry to that man? She asked, without looking at me. I I was just trying to get us out of trouble, I said. I had changed back to my own blouse. Akamaro, on the other hand, was wearing her T-shirt inside out. The dildo now faced her chest, leaving on the other side a long stroke of smudged purple and red, like an old wound. Whatever she said, I'm starving now. When the light changed, we walked past the crossroads and the cathedral, searching for a cafe. A while later, we ended up in Centra, the only shop that was open. I hate. Sunday," said Akmaro, picking out the stringy leaves from her salmon and potato salad, and I hate rocket. Quietly, I chewed my egg sandwich, searching for the right topic to brighten up the atmosphere. So, what shall we do with the assignment? She looked up from her salad. A ten-minute presentation is a lot. I said, "We probably need to each have two conversations just to be sure." She shook her head. "You hardworking Chinese." I felt slightly insulted, but decided to not waste time exploring my feelings and focus instead on the school assignment. 
I told Akmaro that since our last discussion, I had read about cultural stereotypes and had come to realize the urgency of freeing ourselves from the imagined pictures Westerners had of us and present ourselves instead as authentic individuals. In this sense, I proposed we could think about our interests and. Find a group of people who shared our passion, on which we could base the conversations. Then I asked her if there were things she was particularly into. Music, she said. I'd like to go to a pub and see some live music. I took out my phone and opened Google Maps, zoomed in on Dublin city centre, and punched music. Into the search bar, most of the pub performances were not on until the evening. Then I saw there was a Smithfield Summer Music Festival starting in an hour. I showed my phone to Akmaro, and she finally smiled. "Good woman," she said. We headed towards the north side, passing empty laneways. Round down houses, and crossing the Liffey, before finally arriving at a large square enclosed by modern complexes. The excessive quantity of glass walls made me think of China. In the center of the square, a steel stage had been erected, but the performance hadn't begun. A slow melody played in the background. The beer stands and food trucks were open. People of various kinds assembled in front of them. "Let's get beer," Akmaro said. "I heard alcohol is a good lubricant for conversations." Mmm. I calculated the money I had left. "I'm fine. You go." Akmaro grabbed my hand. "Come on, my treat." As we stood side by side, waiting in the queue, I felt my cheeks were burning like pancakes. Was I having a reaction to alcohol before drinking? To settle my nerves, I asked Akmaro if she would talk first this time. She agreed and looked around for potential interlocutors. A middle-aged man behind us met our eyes. He smiled in a friendly way and said, "Ni hao." I don't speak Chinese," said Akmaro. "Are you not Chinese?" the man asked. "Don't speak English either." She waited with me in silence until we got our beer and walked back to where we had been standing. Akmaro drank a mouthful. I'm turning my T-shirt back. Please don't," I begged. She insisted, and I suggested perhaps wearing the breasts one if she had to, which only exasperated her further. While I was suffocating in the inevitability of our damnation, I heard a woman's voice. "Why are you wearing your T-shirt inside out?" She was slender and young, with short blonde hair and crystal blue eyes. She smiled at us, and repeated her question, "Because 
It has an obscene image on it," Akamaro said. The woman laughed. "Well, it looks beautiful on this side. It reminds me of the works of Eve Klein. I had no idea what she was talking about, but Akamaro smiled. Then it's not the right color, no." The woman squinted her eyes and stared at Akmaro's chest. "It's very beautiful," she said softly. The hair at the back of my neck stood up. She's wearing this T-shirt because she didn't want people to ask about her nationality. I interrupted. "Oh," the woman said, checking us out. "Are you Chinese?" To my surprise. Akmaro was not infuriated by her question. Instead, she gave a faint smile. My mother was Chinese. I couldn't believe my ears. The woman seemed surprised as well. Was, she asked. She passed away a long time ago. Akmaro said, "I'm so sorry to hear that." The woman said. What was she like? Akmaro glanced at me. She was pretty much a typical Chinese, diligent, kind, apologizing all the time, and she never dared to stand up for herself. Her words echoed in my ears. She had turned back to the woman, and I could only see her profile. For a moment, she looked sad, and incredibly familiar. My eyes were stinging when I saw a tall, blond man approach with two pans in his hands. He said something to the woman in words I couldn't understand. The woman took a glass and replied with another series of incomprehensible sounds. When I thought I'd completely lost my English, she turned to us. "This is my boyfriend, Stefan, and I'm Mila." Would you like to hang out together? We're visiting from Germany, and would love to make some friends in Dublin. Stunned, I drank my beer, the liquid, unforeseeably cold. We can't, Akamaro said, deadpan. We're supposed to find native speakers to talk to. It's an assignment for school. After the German couple left. Akmaro and I stood idly. People started to flow towards the stage like the tide, but we remained still. Akmaro looked at me. Now, where are we going to get authentic conversations? I opened my mouth. There were so many questions I wanted to ask her. We can probably fake some, I said. She laughed. Give me a thumbs up. Then, the music began. There you heard the story, an authentic conversation by Yang Gu, read by Ashley Shear, and specially written for Spoken Stories Independence. Next time on Spoken Stories, Easter 2036 by Neil Jordan and read by Stephen Ray. 
Enjoy all the new fiction featured on Spoken Stories Independence, where you get your podcast on rte.ie and on the RTE Spoken Stories website. From me, Cleon and Ian Loon, thank you for listening.